The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I hope you brought an apple for the teacher, because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar. This week we are virtually learning, and I will be broadcasting live from Oxnard, and my partner, Dr. Danny Phantom. We'll be broadcasting from his mother's basement. Hmm, that's low, Rab. That is... And we have a guest lecturer par excellence today who is broadcasting live from the best western somewhere near Oxnard, California, Landon McCool. He'll be joining us soon. Before he does, Danny, how the heck are you, sir? You know what? I'm actually, I'm a little conflicted. So um, I have a kickball tournament happening at work. And I decided I was going to participate, and my wife couldn't find my softball shoes, so I went out and I spent money on brand new cleats because I don't. Traction is super important, especially when you're my age and you're trying to run around with. So I got some brand brand new shoes for this kickball tournament. So I went out, practiced on Monday, and it went fine. I had a couple issues with balance. Um, and, and just running and staying upright. But uh, overall, it went fine. However, uh, I learned quickly that uh, my Achilles heel, which is kind of what retired me from softball, it swelled up and um, swalking stiff for the next few days. But luckily, it has finally gotten to a point to where I'm ready for this kickball tournament. And I'm trying to bait. I say, I, I want to participate in it, but I also have like a four mile hike that my wife wants me to do for the weekend. And if I do participate in it, I know I'm going to be having a bad Achilles for the next few days. But at the same time, I just bought these these cleats. <laughs> so I don't know what to do. So anyway, I just, I'm really upset because, you know, getting old and, you know, body's slow to recover. And uh, I just have a bad Achilles. Um, do you have, you ever have anything to deal with like this, Rad? Do you have, you have these kind of problems? Uh, I don't, I don't. I have I have like one small problem. I'll tell you about it in a second. But as you were talking, I couldn't help but visualize that episode of The Office where they have the company volleyball tournament, and like and like and there's like 
you know, people like there's certain factions that are like super hyper competitive and willing to hurt themselves and stuff. As you were talking about a company kickball tournament, I just couldn't help but think about like the different, like the different subdivisions. It's like the engineers against the, the, the you know, against like the IT folks or whatever. It's just, it, it's funny. Anyway, um, so so you may know that uh, when I was a younger man, I used to race bicycles and. Um, I'm I'm much too tall and therefore by extension too heavy, even though I'm very thin. I, I'm too heavy still to be successful as a, like a road racer, like those like Tour de France style road racer. So those guys weigh like 140 pounds. I mean, they're really they're, they're or less sometimes. They're really light. And even even at my like smallest, I still weigh like you know 185 or something. And so um, so there's a form of of cycling, however, that's that's for like slightly bigger guys in between road racers and track racers. It's called criterion racing. So basically, what you do is you you race in a city circuit, and it's hairy. It's awesome. You do like uh, it's like a two and a half mile circuit, and you do like you do like a certain amount of you know you, you do like twenty circuits or something of that, and it's like fifty miles, and it's and it's it's sort of like roller derby on on bicycles. It's super tight corners, a lot of jostling, a lot of crashes. It's awesome. So at one point. Um, in my in my career, I broke my collarbone, and so I I broke my collarbone and immediately got back on the bike too soon. It healed really badly, and it ultimately, like the two parts of the bone didn't really ever heal. Actually, uh, I found out later, only when I you know went to an orthopedic surgeon, they never actually healed. My body just kind of formed a joint around them, so they always kind of like wiggled and stuff. So I actually had a broken collarbone that never really quite healed. So I had to have them go back in and, and put a plate and six screws in my collarbone. So I had like this weird Frankenstein collarbone that terrifies children, you know, if I ever have my shirt off. Um, and so, uh, every, you know, every once in a while when the, when the weather is a little bit nasty or whatever, I can feel a little ache in that. But I'm really, I'm really lucky. I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of, um, you know, those sort of like injuries. I don't have a trick knee or anything like that yet. Well, let's hope uh, that the Cowboys don't have too many more injuries as they try to survive this training camp. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so Frankie, why don't you tell us what's on the show today? Uh, well, as I said before, we are uh, blessed uh, with a guest lecturer, uh, none other than the great Professor Landon McCool, who has uh, come here from uh, you know one of the most prestigious uh, Cowboys universities out there, and he'll be he'll be coming in and uh, giving us. Some of his insights from his week spent at training camp. I was lucky enough to sit with him one day earlier this week um, to watch camp in Oxnard, but he's been there uh, pretty much every day. And so, you know, he's one of the, for my money, one of the very top Cowboys minds out there. So I think getting a chance to see what he's seeing or to hear rather what he's seeing is going to be a rare treat. So without further ado, let's, let's get him in here and start talking some Cowboys. All right. It is my succinct pleasure to welcome into the classroom None other than the great Professor Emeritus Landon <laughs> McCool. How are you, sir? I'm apparently uh, very well credentialed. I didn't uh, realize I had graduated with honors in, uh, in <laughs> such a prestigious Cowboys University, but I, I, I'm, I'm excited to be here and excited to certainly excited to talk about Cowboys football. Well, listen, we're, we're, we're really happy to have you on. And I, I think it's very fortuitous. We're, we're recording on, on a Thursday. And Thursday's actually the first time that you have had a chance. It's a very weird situation. But you were, you've been given one press day on the field. And that, that happens to be today, right? So yeah. here we are. You've just for the first time ever in all the years you've been covering the Cowboys, all the times you've come out to camp, 
um, watch camp practices. You actually watch one from the field for the first time. So tell us a little bit about what that was, what was that was like, and how is it different from watching from the sidelines as you've done in the past? Well, it was really cool. And, and first off, I mean, uh, thank you to the Cowboys organization and uh, WFAAs who I was representing. So they, it was great to to work with them. Um, uh, and, you know, really it just kind of came about because I've been doing these kind of weekly hits with WFAA and, and got a relationship with them. And, and they, you know, they, they asked and they allowed me. So I, I got uh, my one day, I got, you know, I've, I've been to practice other than, as you mentioned, since uh, I've been here since Monday, which is basically uh, the first pads day, which is frankly the <laughs> real, the real beginning of training camp, as we all know. Um, and yeah, it, you know, it, it's, it's funny because, you know, Rabble, we've been talking about this for a long time and, and what's the, the difference when you're at training camp is between being at the fence and being on where the media stands on the sideline is only about, you know, four feet. Right. And, but I, I you know, it's interesting, like the, 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 it, it may not seem like a lot, but it is because you, you're, you're that much closer to kind of hearing what the conversations are between the, the coaches and the players and, and hearing them talk to each other. And, you know, I heard a whole conversation of uh, Israel Mukamu going back and forth with a referee about the fact that he had gotten held on that play and, and what is he supposed to do on that sort of situation. And it was, you know, you know kind of an interesting, not, not real necessarily yelling, but like, seriously, what, what am I, what's the correct way I'm supposed to do this, you know? Uh, and then sometimes you get, you know, real nuggets. You know, I, I was, I was listening to them kind of uh, call you know where where the media stands on the sideline, at least for that day, uh, is also where the defensive players would stand on the sideline during eleven on eleven situations that they have uh, in practice, competitive periods of practice. And uh, you know, I was actually close enough to hear the defensive coordinators and the and the and the uh, assistants calling the formations. So I got to actually, they you know, at one point they called this interesting. Uh, Hippo package, and it was basically uh, uh, you know essentially a three four, uh, but but the but they had subbed in uh, Micah Parsons as kind of the weak side pass rusher, and then uh, Jaron Curse would be like the uh, man. I mean, they call what they call it the Jack, or, you know, the inside linebacker that would be like the move linebacker, right? Um, so it, and then so it's essentially a kind of a three four with, but it's also a three safety look. Uh, so, you know, just like stuff like that, you get the kind of opportunity to be that much closer to them and, and kind of hear them interact. Um, and then on, one thing that was just on a personal note that was really cool was, um, you know, after practice, when they bring their families on the field or they're, you know, going up to, to like to get that close to those guys. And, and I was, and I actually got a chance to go up and listening to interviews and stuff. And um, it was, it was cool to kind of, see them on a personal level there too that was uh you know very close and, and you know you could actually talk to them and everything so that was it was a really cool experience and you know again i i i, I hope i got enough information to make it worth everybody's while i think one can make a, a strong argument that the most competitive moment in any training camp practice is the uh the post-practice media scrum is all the media guys <laughs> work hard to elbow each other out of the way and get those prime interview positions yeah, I mean, I, I certainly was, uh, you know, as someone who was literally just listening and not, I was literally the only person not holding up a recording device because for me, you know, that's not necessarily what my part of the job was. I was just interested to be in the scrum and, and, and I just kind of stood on the outside and I was like, 
you know, I was definitely not the normal person. I'm, I'm kind of letting other people in front of me and like, you know, uh, where, yeah, everyone else is, you know, sharpening and then throwing their elbows uh, to kind of get the position and sticking all sorts of recording devices in those poor players' faces. Well, we have our microphones in front of your face for this one, Landon. And uh, so we got some questions for you. And the first one I want to start off with is after the news of the injury to James Washington, um, you know, Cowboys Twitter kind of like started to freak out a little bit. And then all of a sudden, the valuable Washington is not in the mix anymore. And uh, so, you know, it's everyone's a little bit unsettled about the, the Cowboys wide receiver. So can can you tell us uh, what you're seeing and, what, and your thoughts on, on this uh, wide receiving group? I can tell you that it's a weird group. You know, it's, it's, it's weird because you've got a clear number one, a guy that is, you know, I think by a lot of betting odds, by a lot of you know, foot, fantasy football experts would tell you is a guy who may lead the league in, in yards, in receiving yards this year, because he's just going to get a ton of opportunity because he's clearly the number one and the, the guy that they want to target this year. Okay, note to self. Note to self, fantasy football expert Landon McCool is saying. Oh, don't even start tagging me with that fantasy football nonsense. I mean, I don't even, I shouldn't even run the word. Yeah, no, and then I think, you know, obviously, if if everyone was healthy, it'd be a very normal room, right? I mean, it's Michael Gallup, and then you've got a a young uh, guy that's playing uh, three. The, the third wide receiver spot that you are hoping can develop, and and we'll talk about him in, in detail in a little bit. But since Gallup is not there, it's a collection of unproven uh, wide receivers that are all different types. I mean, they go from you know the, the the stretched out basher to the you know mighty mouse Turpin, you know the they, they, the full spectrum of of wide receiver body types and. All of them are somehow older than CD Lamb, <laughs> and like, and, and despite the fact that all of them are, are younger, you know, younger in NFL years, and or and or uh, have never had any experience or a single snap on the field, um, you know. So I, I just think it's it's a fascinating group, um, you know, just individually when you go down the line. And I think the thing that's it's fascinating to me is that we are rightfully worried about the talent at the wide receiver position, but I will sit here and argue with you that I could not name one of these down roster wide receivers. Maybe this guy Robinson, who I just started noticing today, I think is his name Robinson. Um, I'll check that while we're talking, but uh, I can't, I would not tell you that any one of these wide receivers have had a bad game. I think that they've all looked pretty good to great for, for the expectation level that we have for them. Now, is, is does that mean that I feel good about the wide receiver position? Not necessarily, but I but I feel like I can understand to some degree after watching some of these guys play how there isn't necessarily a uh, panic to go out and get another wide receiver. I, I 100% think that they probably will and should, but I also understand why they would potentially want to see a couple more practices with all these guys who just all seem to be doing well. Vasher seems to be doing very well. They, they threw Turpin in and they've done a couple different things with him and he's done, and he's responded well. Um, you know, I, I think uh, everyone's been talking about Houston, Dennis Houston. He's been running with the first team basically this whole, this whole time and hasn't, you know, given up that you know spot because of bad play or anything. 
Uh, you know, I saw uh, Smith out there, I think it was on uh, Tuesday, that had an incredible practice where he was making a whole bunch of catches. Noah Brown, I think, has lost 15 pounds and looks even more like CeeDee Lamb. Mm-hmm. And they have found a role for him in, in the slot, kind of playing like a power slot position. And he has been hard to cover for a lot of these guys to the point where you could actually make an argument that someone like that could be pushing for more, more, more of the James Washington playing times. I don't, I don't think he's that same kind of player because I think Washington is more of a kind of a downfield elevate kind of play despite his diminutive size. But I just think it's a very interesting group and that's, and they all have uh, performed pretty well. And I think it makes this conversation kind of even more intriguing. You know, in, in, in when I signed Washington, one of the things I was thinking about was that this is one of those insurance signings in case the young guys don't develop. And it, yeah. you know, he's he's the kind of guy who, if the, if a couple of young guys have good camps, they they get they kick him off the roster and take their chances while these young guys develop during games early in the season. And in some ways, maybe his injury has just sort of done that for them. But you can kind of see now that now that all the young cats are starting to you know get more reps and and doing well. We're starting to hear you know these these bits of news come out of camp. I'm more I'm even more convinced in a way that, that Washington was I mean, they did that a few years ago with a safety a couple safeties and they, you know they do that every now and again with them. they'll get us a veteran everybody's like yeah we finally got our safety and I'm always like mm, I don't know I think this guy might just be insurance like ha ha yeah exactly that sort of that sort of guy um and so part, I'm, I'm I was wondering at the time about Washington and it's it's possible you know that his injury has sealed that but it's, I still think that what you're right what you're talking about is is spot on I think that um at several positions, the Cowboys are are really excited by the young players they have, and that explains a, a great deal of their lack of activity in free agency. And we haven't even talked about, and I'm looking it up. We haven't even talked about Smelly Coco yet. You know, and <laughs> hey, you know, just for the record, I I'm not, I don't I don't text like this, like you youngsters. You know, I'm a talk to text kind of person. So, yeah. So I want, yeah. Tell me about clear it up, man. Tell me about Simi Pihoko there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, we I, I, honestly, I left him out because I thought he almost warranted a separate conversation because I feel, I mean, I just could not be more impressed with, with what he's done so far. I mean, last year, it was it just, you know, I, I thought he was going to get cut. Like, I mean, you know, I just, he didn't do anything, you know, and, and he was performing with the with the down roster guys and against, you know, I mean, he was a rookie. I understand all that, but but I mean, Considering that, you know, some of his pedigree and, you know, I thought he had some athleticism. I thought he would develop a little bit. I thought he would do something or, or play some more special teams or something. <clears throat> I mean, he looks like a different cat. You know, he, he's out here, you know, rotating in with the ones at times. I saw him, uh, you know, he, you know, everyone's talking about this route beating digs earlier on a deep route. But I think that's people reading too much into stuff. But I think what you can garner from that is that he, has has that shows you a little bit of what he's been doing out here, getting down the field, uh, going across the the middle, catching the ball, getting elevating, catching the ball. He's just been reliable. He's made plays. He's been sure-handed. There was another play where he scored a touchdown uh, because of a tip ball, and he wait, was waiting right there. I mean, yeah, that's timing, but you still got to have the hand-eye coordination to make that play, and then he does and, and gets down the field. I just think you know he's looked very competent, um, and and. You know, you can say what you want about the Dennis Houston's and, and you know some of these undrafted free agents. Maybe you know, and, and even Drummond today looked you know good for a guy who just stepped off the off pup. Um, 
I think you can say what you want about those guys and, and maybe what it is that you've got a, a lot of choices for your practice squad down down the road. Noah Brown and Simi Pahoku so far, like I, I don't know if they've taken the, the need of, of needing to get another wide receiver in here away, but if that is a reality, they've done everything that that reality would require uh, to, to get to there. You know, like they've mm-hmm. played, they, they haven't, you know, Again, Rabble can tell you more than anything. With every year, we see these guys, these wide receivers that show up in training camp, and the thing that separates the the the, the people that that shine and then fade quickly before the regular season, and the guys who make the fifty-three man roster, the Miles Austins of this world, whatever. The difference between those folks is the they they do it every day. It's 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 constant, and it never stops. It doesn't stop when the preseason gets here. It's every single day they don't drop off. That's why you remember Cole Beasley, and most of you don't remember John Bay and Johnson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, hey, Landon, I want I want to put you on the spot here. So, I think I think we all can agree on the on the main four that we have, and we're all excited about how well they're playing. But pick one of those guys that you like like the most, even though they they may be someone that we forget about, you know, come September. But is there one of those guys that? That has kind of t- taken a step forward. You think like he? I think he's the number five. Are we talking about the bot, the bottom? Yeah, guys, yeah. The bottom of the roster guys. Um. Well, I mean, I think you, you put Turpin aside because I think he's. I think what they've they've kind of reverse engineered that situation to me. I think they view him as a. I, I we can have a whole conversation about Turpin to me because honestly, I think that's a very interesting signing because I think he becomes a backup for your Tony Pollard role. Uh, I think, you know, that to me shows commitment to, in some way, to potentially doing some interesting th- stuff with Tony Pollard. And, and and if you plan for stuff like that, you want to be able to keep that even if Pollard can't play. Uh, and I think that's that's what they've done is signed a guy that they know they're going to be, is going to be their punt returner. Now let's see what else we can do with this guy, you know, to kind of make, because he's going to be on your game day roster. Right, so he's got to find more than just being a punt returner. He's got to be a jet sweep guy. He's got to be a, a backup running back, which he did today because of two guys out with COVID. Uh, he's got to just do other things. So they're, I think they're trying to expand that role. So if you're talking about Houston, Bohoku, uh, Brown, and uh, who am I? Who am I missing? Houston, Bohoku, Brown, and I'm forgetting someone. Robert, well, Robertson is this other guy that's that. I mean, you had a couple of interesting characters. Basher, Basher's is, another. Is Brandon Smith in that mix at all? Or is he next level uh, down? I think, yeah, I think that you know he had a really nice day, and I think he's been he's had several nice days in a row. But I just, there's just so much clutter above him, and he's yeah. and he's running with the, the fours and the, you know the threes and fours. So um, just wait in preseason; I, he'll be the guy. I think that Vasher is the guy that is, is ultimate. I, the guy that I forgot, you know, I, is actually, you know, an interesting guy because they're working him on special team stuff. I, I think right now, when I watch the first team guys, I don't know what we're missing with Gallup is a true is a true X. And, and I, I think that Vasher could potentially be that guy because he, that's his game, you know, um, you know, they're not, they're not trying to play CD at the X. That's just not how this offense runs anymore. And, and, and I think that you could, you can see uh, 
Tyler Tolbert doing some of that, but it seems like he's doing more Z stuff. So I think that's kind of why they have um, Houston there right now um, is because that's, that's, and I, this is something that Jeff Cavanaugh talked about. So I'm not like necessarily taking credit for this, but I, 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 I concur with that opinion. Um, uh, I tend to think that if you're giving me the choice though, uh, Vasher offers you something that the other folks don't. Uh, it's a little bit unique. Um, and I think that there's a tendency to want to move or certainly move around CD. Um, but I also think that that's part of the appeal with, um, uh, oh my gosh, with Tolbert is that he, you know, is that he can do a little, a little bit of that as well, it mm-hmm. seems like. So, uh, that's why I think Vasher, I, I, I think, I think Noah Brown can also do that as well. Um, and I mean, I, I, I mean, they're, to me, they're very, they're stacked very closely. But I, to, to me, I think you're seeing them use Vasher and more special teams practice stuff, which to me seems like they're seeing if he, if they can find a way to get him on this team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great stuff. Uh, um, the one practice that I sat uh, next to you is like I think it was Tuesday, right? That was that was the day yeah. we watched practice. Um, Wide receivers didn't exactly have a, a great game that, or, the, or a great day that day. And one of the reasons why is because uh, Dak didn't have any, and the other quarterbacks didn't have any time to throw. Yeah. Uh, because the defense was kicking the offense's butt. So I, I guess what I'd like to know, A, is is that was that a one-off for that day? Or is that something that is, is a sort of recurring theme? Um, and then sort of to expand that, what do you think about this year's defense? And particularly, I'd love, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the defensive line because I thought they – absolutely single-handedly shut down the offense the day I was there. They they were in Dak's face literally like at, at, when he hit the last step and he dropped. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure at some point we're going to have a conversation about Tyler Smith. Uh, but I would say that for most of the, what it felt like that Tuesday, Connor McGovern was the guy that was taking those left guard snaps. And I think that there's a stoutness that hopefully we'll see with Tyler Smith that was <laughs> certainly not provided to, to, uh, to Dak on uh, on Tuesday, but hopefully will be provided to him after that. Look, I, I think with the defense, I, I, I think to me it looks incredible. Like it looks really, really good. And the coverage, I mean, Anthony Brown has – Continued where he picked left off last year, and I think, and I think, and I don't know everyone's general opinion on him, but I think everyone's general opinion on Anthony Brown should be he's a really good cornerback. Um, he played really, really good football last year. I have been as critical in the past of Anthony Brown um, as anybody has, um, and and I, I'll say that maybe not to the same extent, but to a large extent, I would say the same thing uh, about uh, George Lewis as well. I think the both of them last year had career resurgence with Quinn uh, that were, were that were incredible. I think Lewis took a little bit longer to get there, but I think uh, Brown right away. Um, I, I, I honestly think looking back that Anthony Brown has always been a, a cornerback that has been good, and that he had a bad year the previous year mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he was very beat up and he had a rib injury, and I think he had something else as well that he was playing through. So uh, Anthony Brown has shown that again some more out here. Uh, Jordan Lewis has also shown that, and and it's not even just like 
you know, Dak makes a bad throw or the wide receiver is like falling down. I, you know, we, we can have a whole conversation about digesting training camp and what you're seeing and, and, and trying to interpret that stuff. But I, I think that you've seen stuff like a, a good throw to Dak disrupted because Jordan Lewis out of nowhere kind of skies up in the air and swats the ball around. Um, you know, a, a well-run, you know, out and up uh, uh, defended by Anthony Brown because he played it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the coverage to me looks really good. And I, I will say, if, if we're going to talk about a negative here, I, I think Kelvin Joseph still is not ready yet. And that's, that's, that has been very much clear to me. In fact, I would say that Nashawn Wright may be ahead of him at this point because Nashawn Wright is also another guy who I feel like has maybe taken a step from where he was last year. And, and Joseph's, and, uh, he's not like a bust. I think what, where he's having problems right now is that he's still grabbing too much. And it's just to the point where like he's in phase and, and like he feels like he still needs to grab when maybe he doesn't, you know? So I, I think I, I still have confidence that he will get there. But I think that as far as who's ready right now, um, you, you feel really good about those. Or, I mean, I, at least I do. I feel pretty darn good about those four corners. And then, you know, knowing that there's some other guys down the roster who you feel like could be pretty good too. And I, I think that, you know, the the thing that we talk about is regression, you know, and, and, and with defense. And it's incredibly difficult year to year to repeat performances. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you, the way that a lot of these teams try to repeat performances by keeping all the same players and trying to, like, you know, replicate the same things this year. I think that despite the, the fact that it may seem like that, it feels like there's a lot of turnover here with this team because even the younger guys think about how many young players played last year and they're completely different players. Like think about mm-hmm. how many rookies like Oso Digizua, like he's a completely different player. than he Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I think that even though that there there is like a, a tendency to regress year to year, I think it may not look the same. I don't think that Diggs is going to get eleven interceptions necessarily next year, but that doesn't mean I don't think that Diggs will play well. I think he will play incredible. I think this defense overall, the defensive backfield will play very well. I think the linebacker group is going to be a very versatile group, especially now with Anthony Barr. That, that you know they're going to have once, especially if, if Cox comes back okay with his knee, it sounds like they're just being tight with him and then you know i mean we keep hearing that that there's a possibility that the the cowboys are going to get um 
uh, Damone Clark back earlier than we thought he was. And then that's also on top of Lou Gifford, who I feel like is playing better football. And and then again, all of that is hinged on how much better play you you might get from your defensive line, despite the fact that you may have lost Randy Gregory. Um, I, I think that there's a chance that they're going to be able to cobble together a potentially better pass rush, even without Randy Gregory, because I think I think Micah Parsons is going to be better. I think if if you get a you know a full season of Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, which I think is possible because his injury last season was very was a fluky kind of thing, um, and he slimmed down. I think that you know I think that what I've seen of Dante Fowler is that he's got something, and I think that when Dante Fowler in the past has not been the primary pass rusher, he's he's shown stuff, and all of that plus Sam Williams. I we we got to get through some preseason games, but. I'm not telling anybody to hit the brakes on the Sam Williams hype train um, because I, I he looks legit to me. I mean, I, he, first of all, he looks like a much bigger and stronger player than I ever anticipated, and he's crazy fast. So I mean, at, at the point where, I mean, they're not even just using him as a pass as a, as an edge anymore. I saw him as a spinner in a couple of different situations. So he's like, you know, potentially imagine having a normal defensive line and then Micah Parsons and Sam Williams as, you know, a gap blitzers, uh, like, you know, so I, I think, and then all of that plus the conversation that you and I had Ravel that all of their investments at the defensive tackle position are seemingly finally coming to, to, to time to, you know, liquidate and and get that, that money back. You know, it's, right. it's the, like the annuity is paying off. That's right. The, the return on investment has arrived <laughs> right. finally. You know, and, and, and even guys, yeah. like, even guys like Hill, Tristan Hill. It's that like, was what I was going to ask about. Yeah, can can you share anything about Tristan Hill? Because it seems like he's been doing really well and running with the ones. And you know, I think so many people had written him off when they're when they're talking about the you know the 2022 Cowboys. And it seems like, I mean, after the first week anyway, it looks like the coaches have some different ideas for him. I, you know, it's funny because, you know, I was talking about this on our show that like you can tell. Sometimes it's hard to tell starters based on like eleven on eleven lineups on defense, right? Because they rotate defensive linemen a lot, but mm-hmm. one way you can actually kind of tell is how they do the order of their drills, right? And Tristan Hill was the, um, uh, the the starter over uh, uh, Neville Gallimore, which I, I thought was interesting, you know, especially since it, it's not just a seniority thing because Osa was the other starter. So I just, I've just seen a lot, you know, he's been always been a huge fluctuation player, but I've seen a lot less of the huge downside of him, like being escorted off the field kind of dub- with, by double teams and stuff. Like it seems like he maybe has He's always been a very up and down player. It feels like the down has been risen a little bit, and now it's like good. It's okay, 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 great. Okay, 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 great. That's and I think that to me, like when you watch the progressions of players, like that's how it works, right? And I, I mean, I couldn't be wrong, but it's always oh my gosh, good. Oh my gosh, bad. Oh my gosh, good. And then it gets okay, 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 good. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay yeah. good. Yeah. And then they get really good, you know. So, so I, I'm interested to see where he goes. You know, yeah, give me a high variance, high floor player. I'll be, I'm happy yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that works. You know, one thing we did see uh, out of Tristan Hill is that one clip where he was flattened by uh, our first round rookie, uh, Tyler Smith. So 
can you uh, tell us how well you know what your impression of Tyler Smith or and any other rookies you haven't talked about already? I mean, I think there are several rookies on this team that are are gonna. I mean, they're gonna make the team, and uh, that are gonna be that could be you know, pretty serious contributors. Uh, I I mean, Tolbert obviously is gonna get every opportunity. Um, and, and that's not surprising. You, you kind of need Tolbert to be something and so far so good. I mean, I think he's, he's been, he's shown to be, uh, usable in multiple different situations, right? They, they, they move him around a little bit as well as, um, as Lamb. I mean, I think that's part of it, right? When you move one of these guys, you kind of have to move several of them if you want to keep them on the field. Um, and he's, you know, I think, you know, outside of one or two, you know, really one noticeable drop I've noticed that was even a situation where he, I mean, it was a, it would have been a difficult catch. It feels like he's catching almost everything. He's catching a lot and he's getting open and he's, and he's you know, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing so far. So it's, again, let's see what he does in a, in the, the, the practice against Denver. Uh, there's, they've got some good uh, beef to backs there. You know, let's see what they, they do in, in, in training camp and then the preseason and, and I, but I think right now he looks good. The exciting thing for me is Tyler Smith. I mean, that I think, I, mean, I don't know how everyone else felt. I, I had a second round grade on Tyler Smith. I mean, I just because I thought, you know, look, I, it's funny. I came to Tyler Smith in the draft process after hearing too much negative stuff about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's just like everyone but anyone but Tyler Smith I remember definitely someone I can't remember who it was say, for months saying anyone but Tyler Smith because they had heard that that was you know a name the Cowboys were interested in and I put on the tape and I see a guy in Tulsa who's I mean throwing dudes around now of course I, I don't understand why his coaches had him do like a wind up to punch guys, because ultimately, what would end up happening, right? He his hands would get outside, and he looked like he was holding. But you know, and and I understand the penalty thing. I I understand that you know everyone's kind of gun shy because of what happened last year, and and I am too. I, and I I I hate it. Um, but I think that this kid is a monster. I think that since he's been drafted, again, it's. If he's going to have success, this was what it would have to look like, right? Like if we if, if we were to go back and he and Tyler Smith had a let's just say a very good rookie year, like this is what his preseason process would look like. He went to go work with Duke Merriweather in the OL performance drives, right? You mm-hmm. see the videos of him working on his hands being inside and his footwork. You see him show up in Detroit. This isn't spin from, you know, from Dallas Cowboys. This is us seeing this. You see him go to show up for training camp, and he's like, he looks slim. He still weighs 320 pounds, but he looks like like he's lost weight. He looks tight. He looks like he's in great shape. And he's come out here, and I've just seen him burying dudes. There Has, has there been times when he's had issues? Yeah, but I've also seen – you know, the things that I was worried about seeing, like uh, I saw a situation where they had Basham as a kind of a spinner, a stand-up blitzer coming in through the uh, A-gap. And I was like, okay, this is a good test for him, you know, like because like he can go anywhere. How is he going to be – when he has to redirect against quickness, 
Does he revert to getting his hand outside and holding guys, or does he keep his hands inside? And he gets he gets his hands on Basham right away with confidence. He bounces it and he buries, right? These there's like three or four, and, and in the run game, he like he, he he's ready to go in the run game. <laughs> like he's just burying dudes in the run game. The Tristan Hills uh, play you referenced that was in a run game. There was another play today where him and Biotish, but mostly him, let's be mm-hmm. honest, mm-hmm. were escorting Gallimore out of the way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just think, you know, again, all of this is ingest this correctly, right? Like this is all, these are tidbits. These are, these are not com- confirmation of him being good. But again, if he were to be good, these are the kind of things he needs to be doing. And, and so far, so good. And, and I, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm excited so far with what Tyler Smith has been doing. Don't read too much into the rotation of the offensive line stuff because all the other drills and stuff, like I saw them working combo blocks today. It was him and, and Tyler, and they were working together. So they're, I think they're working Connor McGovern in there to get him the good backup reps because ultimately what may end up happening, and this is something that I think we got to talk about, is if Tyron Smith gets hurt, it might be Tyler Smith that goes out there and plays left tackle. Because Josh Ball, you know, everyone's, you know, everyone's giving Josh Ball a hard time for some of his his practice reps these last the last few days or whatever. But let's all remember that he's been practicing only at right tackle for this entire offseason because the idea has been a left and right situation between him and Waletsko. Waletsko gets hurt and suddenly you're throwing Ball onto the left side and, you know, it, it becomes a difficult situation. So I think that if they actually, unless they go out and get some, you know, Daryl Williams, I, I don't even know if he's available, but someone like that, right? Like that was a, a free agent offensive tackle that's 35 years old that, you know, whatever, doesn't want to be in training camp. Unless they go that route, I think it's likely that Tyler Smith may be the guy that has to kick out there if something mm-hmm. happens to Tyler. Yeah. So you talked earlier about, you know, rotations and, and rookies. And one of the rotations that features a rookie is a, a kicker. And there's been a lot of ink spilled on the kicker debate early in camp, maybe an inordinate amount given the position. So what's your take on, on what's been going on at the kicker situation? I mean, you know, off the record, I hate talking about kickers because I feel <laughs> like, I feel like there's no satisfactory answer. You know, I think we're all trying to chase something that doesn't exist. Like we all want one of the five good kickers, but there's only five of them or six. And the rest of them, it's a roll of the dice. I, you know, I, I did a thing yesterday where I tweeted out a list of potential <laughs> kicker names. And I was like, all right, pick one of these names. By the way, half of them are fake. And, and like, I mean, you couldn't really tell the difference because you never heard of any of these guys. And, and, you know, no one knows anything about kicking. Even the people that know something about kicking don't know anything about kicking, it seems like. So there's no uh, Steve, what's his name? That was the, uh, who's the old, uh, you guys are the historians, right? Who was the old uh, special teams guy that Jimmy Johnson used to out, out, uh, outsource the kicking? Oh, Hoffman. Uh, Hoffman, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no, you know, kicker whisperer out there, at least not that we have available. Um, I just think, yeah, I, I think, I, I think that Garvin has been bad or, you know, that's, that, that much has been, or garbage. Sorry, has been has been just bad. Like he just hasn't done it. I think, um, you know, the other uh, Harlu. I think is how you say it, Liam or Lirim. Um, I think he's been okay, but I mean, 
I also think that we are. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think it's I think it's a tough thing. That it's it's a hard position to fill. I think that I don't want to rely on kickers anyways. So I'm I just not as invested in it as I, as I should be. Um, but I also think that there aren't good answers here, and that people like expecting a good answer here, like. I understand the desire to try to get a young kicker going and get him some, like get him rolling. Cause I think that's the only way you actually do get a good kicker. You're not just, you're not just like signing a, a good kicker off the street. Like you, you, you stumble upon one, one year, right? Like Dan, like Dan Bailey or whatever. Um, and then you have him for a little while and then he becomes a bad kicker, like all good kickers. Um, so I, I think, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I understand why they're trying this with Garvey. It doesn't seem to be working right now, um, but I'm fine with Liram or, you know, frankly, re-signing uh, Greg the Leg after he gets cut by the Jets. Who knows? Like, I, I just, yeah. I'd rather go for it on kick on, on, on short field goals. So I, I have, if, if you're asking me who I want a kicker, I want somebody who can make a, uh, and I just argued against this the other day, but I'm, I'm going back and forth. I, I, I want somebody who can kick a 50 plus yard field goal. Um, and, and kick a field goal, like kick it, kick it through the back of the end zone. Like anything inside of that, I would rather, like, I don't need someone who's perfectly accurate from 35 in so because I don't want to kick field goals. Then. You want, I want to go for it. You want Brett Maher again? Then I see the, that's actually, no, I mean, you're joking. He is available. First of all, uh, I, cause I just checked, but, um, I, I almost kind of do because I, because I, I just think that like one of the I mean one of the team's problems was that they had Dan Bailey <laughs> and that they they over relied on the fact that they had Dan Bailey and I think it breeds um, mediocrity it it breeds uh, a, a, a sort of tepid uh, play calling situation. I, I listen. I, I was a Jason Garrett defender bad for many, habits. That's right. I was a Jason Garrett defender for a long time. But I think the one thing that McCarthy has done that I really, really appreciate is that he's gone for it. He's you know like he's put he went all in. There's, you know, and and uh, I think I want to see more of that. And I I, I don't want to see more. You know, setting up a field goal offense. I really think that, you know, we as fans in some ways are broken by Dan Bailey because he was so good. So what we really want oh, yeah. is it, what we really want is a young guy who we know is gonna is gonna become circa two thousand thirteen Dan Bailey. But that doesn't exist. Like that's a that's a feeling you can you can chase but you're never gonna get because you can't guarantee that. Like remember in two thousand ten or eleven, whenever it was when Dan Bailey joined the team, everybody's like, Oh god, who's this guy? Who's this? Who's this goofy-looking rookie? And then, oh, he's pretty good. Oh, he's really good. And all of a sudden, he would split him, you know. And I uh, remember, I, I remember there were people saying, like, "You're gonna start, you're gonna start a rookie kicker." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's like, well, yeah, yeah, it, was <laughs> fun. it worked out anymore. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is this is fascinating because uh, in some ways it leads me to my next the next thing, and, and we you know, to you know to to let everyone know, you and I began a conversation like this at the end of at the end of the training camp uh on practice on tuesday but i was reminded uh by it when you said um we have to make sure we ingest this correctly right and so i think that one of the things about camp and i and i would i used to be very much guilty of this is 
getting too excited about the stuff we see in camp, overvaluing the stuff we see in camp, um, uh, not not taking camp for what it is to the NFL teams who are like, this is a great opportunity for us to experiment. This is a great opportunity for yes. us to like try stuff on. Um, it doesn't mean we're going to do it. It doesn't mean we're putting it in the in the front, you know, the first ten pages of the playbook. We're just we're just trying on shoes, see how they fit. You know, I'm not, I'm, I may not be wearing these 11, you know, these 11 inch pumps, but I'm going to try them on. And fans yeah. are like, oh my God, they're going to be wearing 11 inch pumps all year long. You know, so I guess as someone who's been to lots of camps, as someone who's been here for a whole week, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to just kind of take a moment to kind of just talk about like, you know, what should we do with this information as fans yeah. or, or yeah. like as, 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 as people who purport to be or, or, or aspire to be intelligent fans of this wonderful wonderful complicated sport what do we make of this information that's coming out of camp i think it's an excellent question and it's something you and i have been kind of discussing for a long time you know in one form or another i i just think that i'm still learning yeah i'm still i'm still trying to figure out that that answer out i think that's that's what i think i i i can honestly tell you is that i don't think that there is a uh a, a boiled down one sentence answer of what we're supposed to be doing here. Um, I, I think that it's a lot of observing a bunch of little things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not, I, I, you know, I, I think you kind of were, were talking around this, but it, to me, I can boil this down to one thing for me, context is key. It, it's important. You need to know, what you're looking at in order to evaluate it in the first place. If you're looking at a blitz situation and you're trying to figure out why the Cowboys won't run the football more, um, you know, by blitz, I mean, by a blitz pod in practice, like where they're working on blitzes, like, you know, if you're just sitting there watching somebody's video that they're sending back to you and you don't know what they're actually supposed to be accomplishing in practice, you're going to probably get all kinds of terrible opinions because you're, because you're, you think that you're, you may be looking at, you know, an 11 on 11 where they're um, uh, practicing, you know, it's just like a, a competitive period where they're trying to defeat each other instead of uh, a run only period. You know, it's like, why is the defense so, so good at running the ball? It's like, well, it's, it's a run. No, it's a run. run. It's like, <laughs> they know it's a run. You know? right, there are no wide like, receivers on the field right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, I think, you know, there's, it's a lot of little things like that, right? It's 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 kind of knowing what you're looking at. And I, you know, look, I'm not an expert. I I mean, no, I mean, I'm all I have is experience at this point, you know, of doing this several years. But I, I think that what I at least am trying to do is to to understand, you know, understand what they're what they are trying to do, what they are trying to accomplish, what they are trying to see, and then when you can figure that out, then you can know what is an individual good job on this, you know, rep or what is an individual, what, what's trying to be accomplished and is the athlete who's trying to accomplishing it, accomplish it, you know? (laughs) And and I think that's what you can glean, right. Is uh, when you understand, okay, this is a combo drill. These two guys are trying to drive this guy off the ball. Um, That doesn't mean that, you know, he's, no good. It just means that he's a guy that's standing there while they're practicing, you know, driving people off the ball. So I, I think it's instead of taking away like 10,000 foot view uh, uh, kind of uh, 
evaluations of, of the team overall, I think it's more helpful to, to take a series of smaller evaluations of how individual players are performing individual techniques, because that's what these guys are doing. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're trying these guys out in individual techniques that they're, they're, they're being taught. And because these are the techniques that they'll use in so, maybe the same combination you saw them or some other combination later in the season. So let's not make harsh judgments on a bunch of people necessarily that are, are learning. Yeah. You were just talking earlier about, about, um, you know, a, a rep where someone gets driven off the ball. Let's, let's imagine a, a rep where an offensive lineman fails to, to move his guy. It's very possible. He still had a good rep because what he's really working on then. And what his coaches ask him to do is like match his feet in his hands. Yeah. Right, so if he does that and does that on time, it doesn't matter if he drives the guy off the ball or not, because that's not really what he's trying to do. That rep, but we as fans are like, "Oh my god, he got stymied by a seventh rounder. He's terrible." Yeah, you know. And and meanwhile, the coach is watching film of them later in the offensive line room, going, "That was a great rep." Yeah. Look, look, yeah, how, look, exactly. look how look how well timed that was, you know. Yeah. And so, um, the other thing about context, I think, is really fascinating is the teaching aspect of it and the way the teaching aspect of it happens essentially from rookie mini camp all the way through to the final preseason game, you know, in the sense yeah. that um, like install then becomes a sort of like, you know, ref, there's a, then, then there's, then there's a, you know, a, another sort of like install where they, where they're fine tuning and, 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 you know, there's a, there's a sort of set number of plays they're going to revisit like camp. They're, they're revisiting material. They've already revi- They've already taught basically, or they've already kind of, laid out the larger kind of, you know, the larger kind of picture for everybody. Um, and so now they're sort of fine tuning stuff, but they're going to still going to repeat it several times during the day. And then they're going to repeat it again when they bring it back again later in camp. And so thinking about like, here we are early in camp, they, they have a, they have a, they have a sense of where it, where it goes and, and how the play is supposed to work and, you know, what makes the play successful and what techniques are you know necessary against, you know, depending on where your guy lines up opposite you etc but they're still working out a lot of those details yeah you know and 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 so there may be something different that each player is working on to make to, to as 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 they learn to be part of the whole you know and then the next time they do it in, in two weeks or when they get back to the star they're they're going to work on something different or they're going to refine it further and so i think thinking thinking about the fact that this is stuff they revisit and they're just revisiting it for the second time of four trip, trips to it or, or however many they, they actually, you know, how many times they, they repeat a, a play or a, a, you know, a package of plays. And to think that you don't have to, you don't have to have it down right now. Yeah. You know, that's the point. The, the yeah. expectation to have it down right now is unrealistic because if that was, if that was the expectation, why the hell would they waste time teaching it again? They're going to come it's back just, to it. It's the same thing with the roster too. People act, act that, that like, you know, the roster has to be what it's going to be for the regular season right now, no matter what time of year it is, you know, when that's not the requirement, that's not the, the smart way to do it. That's not the actual way that it is. done. And so it, I think overall, there is just a need, not because like, not for any other reason to understand, but there's a need for people to try to understand what's happening instead of like, I guess, reacting like, is, is the way I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we as fans, even as as smart, informed fans that are like constant, and I do mean constant consumers of of the content that comes out, um, we're still operating 
with such partial information. Yeah. You know, I think that's also part of it. It's like you were saying, the context is key. And we have almost no context. I mean, we, we can provide context, I think, through, through watching a lot of practices and, and getting a sense of like what they do during the periods and why they do the different periods and all that kind of thing. That, that's certainly helpful context. But there's so many other pieces of that that we are not privy to at all. We have no idea what they're actually, what they're really trying to work on. We, you know, like, I mean, you, you, you've been, you, you've played football. You know that like your position coach will come over to you and, and talk to you about working on something that day. You know, yeah. I mean, a good coach will, right? A good coach knows what yep. you need to work on and says, let's not work on everything at once. Let's yeah. isolate this and find the highest yeah. leverage thing. If you get better at this, you're going to be a better player. Let's work on that. And and it, it's those kinds of little conversations that make a team and that help develop players and that we never, ever see or are, are privy to at all. Sigmund Bloom calls it peeking through keyholes. I always yeah. like that. Yeah. And that's what, that's what you're doing. You know, is that you, you get a, a little glance, glance here or there, what's really happening. But um, yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's easy to kind of, uh, I mean, it's, it's, no, it's not sometimes it's easy. The, the phrase should be, it's always hard to have an idea of what's happening because we're getting such a small percentage of, of the information. I guess for me, what I've been trying to do is expand the keyhole, you know, as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think in some ways what we're doing is we're, we're, um, we're, trying to find locksmiths who, who will give us a better keyhole, <laughs> but we're still looking through keyholes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a slightly, it might be a slightly uh, wider keyhole, but it's a keyhole nonetheless. It's, the, it's the old, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. You know right, right, right. So maybe we've, maybe we've come to this like, full circle place where we, we are, now, <laughs> are now understanding how little we know and everything's been thrown back into doubt after, after years of overconfidence. The Ouroboros of football idiocy. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Well, listen, dude, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. It was, it, it was great to hear your impressions and always great to, you know, chop it up and talk. I'll try this in English. Try uh, chop it up and, and talk Cowboys with you. Um, and enjoy the, enjoy the rest of the week at camp. It's a, it's a great opportunity to really sort of dive in and, and um, you know, get a sense of what's going on with this team. Yeah, thank you. And uh, guys, please come check me out on Locked On Cowboys podcast if you get a chance as well. But thank you guys so much for having me, and uh, I always love talking to y'all. Um, it's it's a great, like I said, it's a great opportunity for me to stretch my legs and actually talk for long form podcasting, which I which I don't get to do very often. So I'm uh, glad to be here. Yeah, thank you, Landon. So, so, it's great. Uh, yeah, thanks for doing the peeping for us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 a paid peeper. Uh, oh boy. So um, <laughs> so. People can find you on what I consider to be the very best uh, Cowboys podcast out there, Locked On Cowboys. But you were also mentioning that you do do these hits with WFAA. Can you tell folks yeah. how to find those? Yeah, uh, I think I'm doing them again this year. From, from what I understand, I'll be on uh, WFA's. Uh, I think it's mid morning show every Friday before a Cowboys game. That schedule may be a little bit off depending on the Cowboys schedule, but basically. Every Friday before a Sunday's Cowboys game, I do like a little five-minute hit on WFA. So please come check us out. Awesome. Thanks, dude. Well, I don't need to tell you how much I enjoy talking to Landon. It's pretty clear, by the way, we you know we uh, go on like a couple of mother hens. But uh, every time I have a chance to, to sit down and talk Cowboys with Landon, and for me, it's a, it's a pleasure, both because – He's such a smart observer 
um, but also because, you know, we have a lot of history together as podcast partners and as guys who used to go to training camp together and, and watch practices. So, um, you know, it feels like this time of year is not complete unless I have an opportunity to talk to him about what's going on at training camp. Yeah, no, I mean, Landon is, I mean, like you said, he's so in tune with everything and he's been doing this for a long time and, you know, very sharp observer and just, uh, it's always great to, you know, where you can learn things from, from people. And he's, he's definitely one of those guys. And he also has great character too, you know, you know, you've known him a long time, but it's, it's always just having pleasant exchanges and just, he's fun to talk to. He's just a fun guest to have. So for sure. And I think he, I think, I think Rabs, if I'm not mistaken, this is number three for McCool. So he is our leader and guest for the star seminar. So that is is absolutely. So, but that is it for the Star Seminar. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you'd like to see us do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, Cowboys Hot Topics, who you think, how you think the receiving core is going to shape out, what do you think of uh, Smelly Coco, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And Rabs is at Rebel Rouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. Last is made.